Welcome to Outwitting the Manipulator, the podcast that gives you powerful techniques to protect yourself as a manipulation is taking place. Now here are your hosts, authors, and communication experts, Robin Galinsky and Dr. Dennis Becker. Well, hello, everyone, and thanks again for being with us. I'm Dr. Dennis Becker, and I'm joined here by my colleague, Robin Galinsky, and we are so excited to talk to you today about this topic because today we are going to give you an enormously powerful technique for handling manipulation. It, uh, we're so excited about it. Robin, you want to say anything about the topic today? I'm just so excited. I want to get right into it. Well, we're going we're gonna to start off with making sure you understand the difference between manipulation versus persuasion. We've mentioned mm-hmm. it before, but it's an important mm-hmm. part to this. But mm-hmm. yeah, this is a robust episode. In fact, it's really important to listen to this episode before you hear any after it. This is a foundational episode, so we should probably let people know that this is important. It is foundational. That's a good word because you'll hear us talk about the language we're going to introduce today. You will hear us talk about it over and over again because it is so important in your ability to protect yourself, also to identify what you're protecting yourself from. So this is a really interesting episode today, and we're going to be talking about persuasion. And as Robin said, the difference between persuasion and motive manipulation. manipulation. So yeah. Robin, shall we begin by a little definition of that? Yes, indeed. Because the, the, uh, we begin this journey of uh, safety and self-protection and strength. And so we're going to define and describe both manipulation and the other word we put out here before is communication, because without communication, there's no manipulation. Mm-hmm. So we want to be sure we get that right. In addition to the word persuasion, we're talking about communication. However, before we do all of that, there's a body of knowledge that is absolutely foundational for persuading people. Let's talk about that one first. This information is, is critical for you to understand. Now, most manipulators are already familiar with it, but once we're done, you'll know it much better than they do. We're going to define this issue of persuasion first because it can be found in both manipulation and in communication. All right. So let me, first of all, let me give you a clearer definition and distinction between these two words, persuasion and manipulation. It's really kind of, it feels complicated, but it's really kind of simple. When you are trying to persuade someone, someone's trying to persuade you. Persuade means that you are trying to influence the thoughts, actions, and behaviors of somebody else. You're trying to influence those things in other people. When manipulation is occurring, significant difference is that you are trying to control the thoughts, actions, and behaviors of another person. Persuasion is influencing. Manipulation is controlling. Very different. It's tricky, right? It's very nuanced because what we're speaking, what Dennis is speaking about is intent. And you don't always know what the intent is. It's hard to tell. In fact, there there are two differences between motivation and manipulation and persuasion. And intent is one of them. Mm-hmm. And the intent that a manipulator has is, as we said, to control things, you, things, everything. 
and uh, persuader, not so much. They want to influence you and they want to get their way and they want you to agree with it and so forth. But that's not the same. But the second key difference is how you can quickly figure out the difference, right? Yes, yes. Because difference between someone who's being persuasive versus someone manipulative. Okay. There are two key differences. First, this one that we mentioned is intent. In manipulative behaviors, the intent is solely to suit the gains of the manipulator with little or no concern for the impact it's having on the others. That's manipulators. And at at its most egregious, the manipulator overtly tries to harm somebody who's the object or target of the manipulation. Now, the second difference is the ability or the willingness of the recipient, that could be you, to opt out of the interaction. Walk away, say, change the plan. What's really important about that is, is it's a feeling, right? So you always have the option to opt out. As an adult, you have a choice. That's the definition of being an adult. You have a choice. Children don't have choices. Adults always have a choice. Mm -hmm. If someone comes in and holds a gun to my head and tells me to do something, and I say, well, I had no choice, I still have a choice. I literally still have a choice. Yeah. And we also have a, always have a choice. I can be, well, this is morbid, but I could be locked in the trunk of a car, you know, duct taped and everything uh, hogtied. And I still have a choice of my mindset. I still could choose mm-hmm. what to think. Mm-hmm. So you always have a choice as an adult. Always, always, always. It's very important that you never forget that you always have a choice. Now, executing on that choice is where you separate, what do they say? The wheat from the chafe, the wheat from the chaff, I don't know, know, boys Mm -hmm. from the men. That's where it goes down. That's where it quickly gets revealed, whether this is manipulation or persuasion. See, persuasion, it, it can be very compelling, but you can get away. You can disengage, you can deny, you can disavow the, the efforts of the persuader, but with manipulation, You'll be getting distorted information. They're going to withhold critical information, whatever they have to do to serve their personal desire. They make it feel impossible to disengage and make an informed decision or choice. So there is a significant difference. It may feel slight, but there is a difference between manipulation and persuasion. And it gets very fuzzy, which is making me think of the old timeshare days with timeshare where the whole goal they have is to obligate you. You know, they give you free nights. They, they tell you you have to stay for the entire presentation mm-hmm. and you're, they hammer you, you know, or, yeah. or car dealerships, you know, where they hand you off to the finance manager and they just keep <laughs> handing you off. And you, and if you're a polite person, it feels, it, it yeah. feels as though you can't get away because they, they take advantage of that politeness, knowing that you won't. We, I could give a million examples of this, but I, what I'd like to do is go back to what we want to talk about today, the th- modes of persuasion. It's very important for you to understand. I ha- I and ha- then if but, we have time, but, Dennis, I could give more examples. No, I feel compelled. I got to give one. I got to give an example right here because you mentioned sales. See, there's so many. I'm telling you, you know, as I had in my earlier days when I had gone through my studies and research and learned the PhD and all of that stuff in communication, blah, blah, blah. I 
began to notice that a lot of the persuasive stuff that I had been studying about, manipulation stuff I've been studying about, was taking place in car sales. Okay. So I won't go into the whole detail about it, but it became a hobby for me going to the car. Well, my kids were older and they were going to buy a car. I would go with them to the sales, the, the, the dealership. And I would point out to them, what are the different techniques of pers persuasion and manipulation that are being used? And we, we worked that to this day. I'm ready now for my grandchildren. We go to buy a car. I say, look, here's a technique. Use this technique because it's going to protect you from the tactic of, because sales cars, car salesmen have so many identifiable tactics that they use against you to make you feel compelled and so forth. But you can still walk away. That's persuasion. It's not manipulation. They want to influence you, yes, but they can't control you. So that's persuasion. Anyway, as Robin said, there's a lot of examples of this, and we'll have an opportunity to get into some of those as we go along. But I think, first of all, we should talk a little bit about persuasion and how to avoid it and how, what to, to know what it is. And we talk about this in the book, right, Robin? Manipulation. Sorry, you said persuasion, how yes, to avoid yes. it. Yeah. <laughs> Manipulation. We talked about this in the book. Yes. And it's really yeah. foundational. So there's yeah. the modes of persuasion, thousands of years old from Aristotle. Yep. Yep. There's only yep. three ways in which you can persuade anybody to do anything. Yep. So we're using the word persuasion. These are modes of persuasion, but these are also obviously can be used for manipulation because manipulation boils down to intent. So mm -hmm can be used with the wrong intent. But let's talk about them, Dennis. All right. So as Robin mentioned, this is something I wish we could say we invented it, but it comes to us over 3,000 years. Aristotle introduced it to us 3,000 years. And in 3,000 years, no one has been able to present a fourth mode of persuasion. In fact, my friends, if you can think of a fourth way to persuade people, you drop me a line. Because you and I are going to write a book together. <laughs> There's no fourth way. But let me tell you what the three are so you see how powerful they are. So in ancient Greek, the first word that he gave us was the word ethos, E-T-H-O-S. This is the first mode of persuasion. Now, in English, it translates to ethics. Ethos is the moral standard that people know you have. It is your credibility. It is your reputation. It's what people think of you as being, as being a good, honest person. It's the kind of thing when you say, oh, yeah, well, the barber said so. Yeah, it's okay. Just go ahead. Wow. Barbara has ethos there. You don't have to question anything. She just has ethos. She says the credibility and reputation. That's ethos. You're not going to have it everywhere. But when you have it, it is very, very powerful. And we'll talk about how it gets applied for the manipulator and for and by you as we go along. But I want you to understand what ethos is. It's that sense of credibility that people just don't question. Sometimes they think it comes with a title, you know, chairman, CEO. It makes me think of famous manipulators. That, had a title. Well, oh, that used ethos to manipulate yes. Jeffrey Epstein. Yeah, he yeah. was an ethos guy. And how do I know that? Because when these people walked in his house, he was about the address where he lived. He used MIT, donated a bunch of money and then flaunted MIT like as if he was associated with them because he was so smart. He had pictures of famous people all around. First thing you saw when you walked in his house, these are all ethos things. 
that he, uh, it was all about who he's hanging around with. So he was basically borrowing ethos from the people he was associated with. Yes, that's an interesting way to, to, to point it out. You can borrow someone else's ethos by associating with them. We're going to try to, as much as we can, we're going to try to avoid getting into political controversy, but in frequently in in politics, you will find people who think they have, who claim they have, who try to act as though, who treat you as though they have tremendous ethos because of the position that they're in. But mm-hmm. we'll talk about that a little bit more as we go along. So ethos is the first mode first of persuasion. The second one of the three in Greek was called pathos, P-A-T-H-O-S, loosely translates in English to emotion. So appealing to someone emotionally. Now, this is, of course, a very powerful mode of persuasion and manipulation. Very powerful. You play on the emotions. You're able to touch something emotional in the other person that makes them say, yes, of course I will. Or, oh, all right, I'll I'll go along. Pathos is very, very strong. And you listen, there are we could spend the whole episode just on examples with pathos, which we're not going to do, but they're everywhere. Just think about TV commercials that you see. But think I will mention it. a very famous pathos person, Trump. Oh, Trump. Now, wait a minute. Pathos. I said we were going to try not to get into politics too much, even though it's so no, easy. No, not politics. I'm talking about him as a communicator. As a he person. used yeah, yeah, pathos. Yeah, yeah. Okay. He used right. pathos to persuade and to manipulate. All right. A lot of people yeah, that's do. that's all right. I mean, you need an example, a real life example. A lot of, a lot of people do. Look at big, uh, look at automobile companies, for example. When well, you get every commercial has. Every TV commercial. Yeah. The, the TV yeah. commercials, you know, you're advertising a car is basically what? It's a machine. It's a collection of things and stuff. It's a machine. But how do they sell it? How do they persuade us to do it? They see it. We see it rushing through the leaves, down the beach, gorgeous people draped all over it. I mean, over and over and over again. Big pharma, beer. I mean, so many things that we see are trying to, uh, they try to persuade persuade us to like it, to buy it, to do it, to use it, to say it. By we all have pathos because we're human. Obviously, yeah. we all have pathos to varying degrees. It's very powerful. Now, let's compare that one with the third mode of persuasion. The opposite. Logos, L-O-G-O-S. Yes, logic. It's the opposite of pathos. Logic, facts, figures, numbers, statistics. Statistics, data, evidence. Research data, yeah, yeah. Things that cannot be denied. They are the facts. They're logos. They're absolutely not pathos. And sometimes they get conflicted. Sometimes people mistake them. There have been situations where logos, very logical things, have been presented to other people through pathos. They make the logic, the numbers sound so enticing and so wonderful, and you got to act right now. So these things are not only identifiable as of them themselves, but they get mixed up. They get used together, and a skillful manipulator really knows how to balance these three yes which ones you seem to be most vulnerable there's a word vulnerable to and which ones they are most effective at using so as we go along we're going to be talking about ethos pathos and logos and all of the things that we're talking about with regarding manipulation it's important to know that people usually have one that's their default they move Mm -hmm. about the world in one of these areas more than the other two. And 
it would be good for you to know which of these is your primary way of moving about the world. It's not right or wrong, right? No, it's not right or wrong. It just is. It just yeah. is. You know, yeah. we're, we're a lot of, some people are a balance of all three. Some people mm-hmm. are ethos and logos. Some people are mm-hmm. ethos and pathos. Some people are 90% mm-hmm. pathos. Yeah. But if you have the self-awareness of how you move about the world, you can also know that this is where you are the most vulnerable to go back to mm-hmm. vulnerability. You can't change it, but you can be aware of it. Mm-hmm. So if I move about the world and I know I'm a very pathos person, I'm going to be very easily moved, motivated, influenced, persuaded by emotional things. You know, the, the, the girl crying and begging for money in the street, which by the way happened, but because I was more logos than pathos, I, something was off and I didn't give her money. And my friend stopped and gave her a bunch of money. And I literally saw her a week later with the same sob story, <laughs> the same exact script, mm-hmm. downtown Boston. So mm-hmm. how do you know, you know, but the pathos is where if, if you're more pathos, you're going to be more pulled to that than if you're not. And skillful manipulators, boy, they recognize <laughs> that immediately in yes. you. By the and way, they you, adapt. It, it's by the way you talk, by the way you look, by the clothes you wear, mm-hmm. the things you don't say, the things you don't wear. There's so many things. It lives that in indicate. your language. The, oh yeah. Hey, those it's, people love things and hate things. Yeah, yeah. You know, they're yeah. very expressive. Logos people are like, well, that doesn't make any sense. Yes. Well, <laughs> show me what you mean by that. It's totally different. And we're going to get into all of these things in much more detail as we go along in this series. So we we really implore you to stay with us because we're going to use these terms, ethos, pathos, and logos a lot. And we're going to be focusing on not only how you respond to them, but equally importantly, we're going to talk about how other people, how the manipulator in your life is influenced. Does he or she respond to ethos, pathos, or logos, and then how you can use that to protect yourself. Yes. That's why we're introducing this. It's so important for you to have a complete understanding of this, both for yourself and how you're going to use it with the techniques we're going to give you. Yeah, because these, and let's let's also, we're talking about a little bit about definitions, Robin. Let's talk about the difference between a tactic and a technique. You'll hear us use these words. Tactic, of course, is what we're going to be describing as what the manipulator is doing to you. What tactic are they using? And in the, in the book that we wrote, we'll be talking more about that a little bit later. In the book, we identified 24 very specific tactics that manipulators use and how those tactics are an example of whether they are ethos, pathos, or logos people, and then how you can turn that around against them and protect yourself with technique. Techniques are for you. Tactics are for them. And They're hopefully using... we'll keep it straight. Yeah, yeah right. Because <laughs> the words are the same. They sound alike. A lot of people, you know, use them differently, but we're, we're going to distinguish with you. Manipulators are using tactics you are using techniques to protect yourself. So we'll, we'll continue to remind ourselves about that yes. as well as you. So anyway, like this it is, might be time for media moment. I think so too. Just remember ethos, pathos, and logos. These are the three things that are the modes of persuasion and utilized in, in manipulation all the time.
And, you know, as we move over to the media moment, may I do one this week, Robin, a little bit? It's your turn. You sure can. I have a delightful example of how in the media this recently, and I don't know when you're listening to this, but you will have heard about it for sure. In the media, we saw and heard examples of how the, the president of the United States at the time, Donald Trump, was using uh, a tactic, some of the tactics together. He used bullying, name-calling, blaming. All of those are tactics that a bully uses against, and he used another one called love-bombing, all at the same time, against his own vice president, Mike Pence. In one sentence, he's saying, oh, Mike, you know, the great vice president, our great Mike Pence, what a great guy, da, da, da. all of that. And then all of a sudden, when things didn't go his way, he was supporting Hang Mike Pence. Hey, well, maybe he deserves it. Hang Mike Pence. How that changed. And the media helped us to understand exactly how that went by showing us both sides of it, which you don't often see. Sometimes you're, you're only the target of it. Here, as a third party, we could stand by and watch this, listen to this happen. Pence was the target. And Trump was the manipulator in that case, using several of the tactics that we'll be talking about as we go along, bullying, name calling, intimidation, and and others. So this is a good example of how it was being used in real time in front of all of us. We want to remember to, to see these things happening, not only to you, but about and to other people, which will help you to protect yourself by being able to recognize these things being used on other people, which is one of the reasons we're going to bring you these media moments in each and every episode. Absolutely. And I'm excited to tell you that in the next episode, we're going to cover the top four most terrible tactics of the manipulator. So Mm. we're going to get into name calling, bullying, blame, and public humiliation, Mm -hmm. which is a universal fear everyone has that can be leveraged against them. So we're going to go into detail about that. We're happy you were listening to us today, and we look forward to the next time. I'm Robin Galinsky with Dr. Dennis Becker saying bye for now. Thank you for being with us today on today's episode of Outwitting the Manipulator, Protecting Yourself in Real Time. Robin and Dennis are seasoned communication experts, not medical or therapeutic professionals. The thoughts and opinions expressed are their own. If you, a loved one, or a friend are in an abusive or controlling relationship, you will find additional resources in the show notes for today's episode. Their book, Outwitting the Manipulator, Protecting Yourself in Real Time, is available on Amazon, Audible, and Kindle. We invite you to be with us again next time. Robin and Dennis will discuss ways of outwitting the manipulator, protecting yourself in real time.